Hi, I'm Steven Schinder. And I'm Dan Schinder. Welcome to the Yes Shift podcast, where we talk about, wait, what do we talk about again? The band Yes. And there's so much to talk about with their many shifts in lineups and the mental, emotional, and spiritual shift their music can evoke. Since 1968, as of the inception of this podcast, May 2021, Yes has published a ton of studio albums, live albums, compilation albums, singles, and videos, all of which cover a very wide arcing spectrum of progressive rock. And we represent two generations of hardcore Yes fans. You may not agree with all of our tastes. Or any. The same way we don't always agree with a lot of the silly stuff so-called Yes fans post about on social. (laughs) And that's okay. With a history like Yes, having spanned so much music and time, there are always going to be different perspectives. And we are here to share ours, comment on things we see online, and invite you to be part of it as well. Yeah, we welcome your comments on posts of these episodes on social, as well as reviews on our podcasting platforms. You can also send comments and suggestions for topics to yesshiftpodcast at gmail.com. That's spelled with two S's, just like yes songs and yes shows. Hi, I'm Dan Schinder. And I'm Steven Schinder. And this is Yes Shift, and how exciting is it for most of us that we're actually (laughs) talking about a brand new Yes album, the whole album, not just a couple songs trickled out written by Francis Monkman, but Francis (laughs) Monkman's new whole album. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I couldn't couldn't resist, sorry. Yeah, I figured there's probably going to be one of those jokes at some point, at least, but yeah, it was inevitable. But yeah, I, I'm just glad we're long past that whole controversy and we know the full picture of it. So we're able to actually enjoy this album. But we also have a listener email as well as um, there was this article pertaining to Rick Wakeman that came out like the same day that this new album came out. And of course, we also have some excerpts of reactions, like fan reactions. Some were kind of long, so we trimmed out a bit like the parts that I felt were like the most um like pertinent to talk about I don't know if that's the right word but yeah it is we didn't want to sit here and just be reading to you folks there was a lot of juicy stuff and you could find them on our posts on the like if you go to the yes shift Facebook page uh the post where it says the quest out now or whatever it says if you click on where it says shares you can see the few places that we posted them like the groups and you can if you're in those groups um i guess like you can see the comments that were posted under that post so and add to it and and add to this one as well um so steve why don't you go ahead and read that one from guy which is cool yeah so we got an email from guy who says hello really enjoying the podcast Thanks for the great episode on magnification. I took it out and listened to it for the first time in a long while. My top three, always hard to say, would have to be Fragile, Close to the Edge, and Tales. Of course, many more that I love too. Guy. Yeah, that's... Yeah, I'm really glad people are listening to magnification again in light of its anniversary. Like, it's... 
Well, it's one of those underrated Yes albums, right? And the last one with John Anderson on it. So, yeah, it's crazy that yeah. it's been 20 years. And I'm just grateful that not only are people listening to this, because this is a passion project of ours. Right. Um, we're both very busy people. Uh, <laughs> Steve and I work together on Drum Talk TV and my marketing company. So I know how busy he is. And he's also an author and, and stuff. So, uh, you know, we do this for fun and we do it religiously. Every Saturday we record and try to get out an episode at least one a week. And I'm grateful that people are listening. I honestly wasn't sure. I said I said to my wife, Fincha, hey, have you heard me and Steve's podcast yet? And she's like, you guys have a podcast? <laughs> yeah, like for years we've talked about yes, like pretty much all the time. And then uh, finally we figured, you know what, we should record this so that other people can listen to the conversation. Yeah. And, and be part of it, like Guy. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, thanks for the email, Guy, and real good top three. Those are classics, yeah. Yeah, and then we'll let's get into some news before we review the album in depth, in full, and anything we ever bring up on any of these episodes, you're not allowed to – we don't want your take or your opinion. No, wait, that's not right. We want you to chime in <laughs> on everything we talk about because this show is for you too. It's not just Steve and I talking and you're a fly on the wall. This is a conversation. We're all sitting around on beanbags and and couches with lava lamps and whatever you like your elixir is or whatever, <laughs> hookah, whatever. It's just we, always the 70s because we're talking about yes. Yeah, we're talking about one of our favorite bands, our favorite band for most. So please chime in. So Rick Wakeman still wants to make yes music. Yeah, this came from Ultimate uh, Classic Rock, uh, I think is the name of the site. Yeah. So, but even just yeah. the title of that... <sighs> Rick's a really good comedian, actually. <laughs> and it cracks me up just to, I can't read that with a straight face. Rick Wakeman still wants to make Yes music. Rick, you should be in Yes to, to do that. Like you need to be in the, I'd like to make Yes music too, but I'm not in Yes. Billy wants to make Yes music and he's in Yes. Billy Sherwood, not Billy Bruford. Um, so I think that's <laughs> funny, but I, I get it. And I know there's that whole argument of the two different LLCs and who owns this, that, the other thing. Who gives a fuck? Okay. <laughs> it's really what it comes down to. They all make great music. And I, I, I'll get back to sort of that whole thing. But Rick Wakeman hopes to continue collaborating with Trevor Rabin and John Anderson, despite reports that they are perhaps finished. Plans for a 2020 tour were spiked due to covid and that sort of changed the spectrum for everything for each of the former Yes members took stock of the situation. Wakeman tells Ultimate Classic Rock, Certainly I would like to do some stuff, whether it's with Trevor Rabin or John Anderson, or it's with, I don't know, he says. But I love playing Yes music. It's a major part of my life. I was with five different wives through Yes. No, it doesn't say that. I added that part. Um, I, I was with four. Uh, <laughs> true story. Raven confirmed last year that yes, featuring ARW are definitely over. He described the reunion as splendid fun, but said the problem is that we live in different places around the world. So logistically, it's hard to carry this on. That's very curious to me. And Stephen Schinder explains why in the rest of this article. Right, so it continues. The trio had been working on new music together off and on since 2011. Um, now, I'm actually...
actually gonna stop here and correct it a bit. So I think the three of them were working together as far back as 2010. And certainly as far back as 2006, John and Trevor were riding together on and off. So it's a thing that was going on for a long time. But yeah, I'd just love to have that. Um, so continuing, they finally shared a demo of a new song called Fragile during a radio appearance on Jonesy's Jukebox in July 2018. But Wakeman has since had second thoughts. Quote, yeah, we put it out. No, 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 you got to imitate him. <laughs> um, yeah, we put it out. I mean, I think we'd had more time. I'm not going to try. I think if we'd had more time, we could have done better, Wakeman said of the song, which found Rabin and Anderson sharing vocals. Uh, his quote continues, the difficulty is you've got John living up in San Luis Obispo. And got- Saturn. <laughs> yeah. Or, or Mars. Uh, I think Rick once said, uh, some people say J.R.R. Tolkien is from Mars, and that must be where he met John Anderson. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's an actual quote. Um, but anyway, he says, you've got John living up in San Luis Obispo. You've got Trevor living in Hollywood, and there's me living on the east coast of England. We can't exactly pop around to each other's houses for a morning coffee. It's really difficult. Uh, end quote. In the, and the article continues, in the meantime, he dismisses the modern concept of recording via file sharing. Quote, you really need to be sitting in the same room, Wakeman argues. Two years ago, we were looking at how we could actually achieve that, all being in the same place. Because to be honest, that's the best way when music is written. The best yes stuff was always written when we were all in the same room. I'd like to comment on that if I could. Yeah, go ahead. So I, I I know Rick's old school. He's, you know, early 70s, heading into his mid 70s. He's old school. And I totally get that. I created music like that for years and years. Right. But there are plenty of bands doing file sharing, cranking out some great stuff. When I first met Alan back in 89, and uh, it was him, Tony Kay, John Anderson wasn't even back in the fold yet. Chris Squire, Trevor, and they were working with Billy Sherwood, and they all had a Kai eight tracks, and they were sharing. They were file sharing in a sense with these big cassettes. Um, yeah. And, and there's a lot of bands, um, Haken, Arch Echo. We can go on and on. They're having great success doing file sharing. So it's not like it can't be done, but I do understand. There's nothing like being in person. You know, you, you can't throw something at someone if if there's an argument, if you're file sharing. <laughs> so I, I respect that. But to totally dismiss it is a little bit disheartening because right. I, I suggest that whoever lives near the East Coast of England, just start a flash mob with torches and pitchforks, show up on his porch, file share, <laughs> file share, file, you know, let's get them to do it. If If they're inspired, they'll find a way to get it done. And I personally would love that. Whether or not they call it yes, A-R-W, E-I-E-I-O, knickknack, paddywhack, I don't care. I would love <laughs> to hear their music, but I do respect where he's coming from. Um, I'll, I'll continue. It also says here, Wakeman recalls fondly how they'd spent a month together in those days, throwing ideas at each other. We discuss them and pull them apart. Uh, dissect them. Oh, we, we dissect. What did I say? Insect? Discuss. Discuss. Yeah. We discuss <laughs> them and pull them apart. What came out the other end used to be, for me, quite magical. 
that's where you got a true yes album. I totally understand that. And as for us, Wakeman hopes, and I quote, that's not the end of it. Nothing that none of us are getting any younger. I'm 73 next year and John is a few years older than me. I mean, we're off, you know, or it says, I'm sorry, we're, we're no longer spring chickens. Uh, but on the other hand, when you go on stage, all those years roll off, you know? So it's not the end, let's put it that way, but I can't tell you what the next stage is because I don't know myself. Well, he's always making shit up as he goes along. <laughs> <laughs> but it can't be the end. I love that attitude. Rick Wakeman returns to the U.S. for an even grumpier old rock star show tour, tour Sorry, starting in October 13th. Grumpy is an interesting word, he says with a laugh. It's a fine line between grumpy and angry. <laughs> I yeah. totally appreciate him wanting to do this. And I, I wish they would. And I don't care what they call it. Right. I have some thoughts about this, um, if I may share them. Yeah, so absolutely. it's interesting because John has been all about file sharing like these past 15 years or however long it's been like that's how he's collaborated with lots of people around the world on like solo stuff or collaborative stuff webs and stuff yeah yeah so i feel like john would be very game for that but according to this rick is very old school and trevor like i'm not sure where he lands on this i would think that he'd possibly be flexible about he it seems and, just disinterested yeah i mean trevor was the one like this says who said um like in early 2020 that arw is pretty much finished and like, like it mentions like they had that one song that he shared on the radio called fragile or fragile touch and it was basically How original <laughs> yeah and it was basically Originally, it was a song that Trevor made for, uh, as part of a soundtrack for a TV show. And then ARW, um, like, they basically added more vocals from Trevor and John and some keys from Wakeman. And I really like the song, but it boggles my mind that, like, is there no other material? Like, I, I, don't, I don't get it. Like, how did this not oh, come that... together? And it's it just feels to me like that Curb Your Enthusiasm, um, uh, those Curb Your Enthusiasm episodes where Larry David and Jason Alexander want to do a, a new TV show together. And so they're trying to meet up with each other to figure out how to move forward. But they keep arguing about where to meet halfway. And they argue about, oh, this place you suggested is closer to you than it is to me. Like it's not halfway. And so it just like, dissolves and larry tries uh doing the show with julia drive louis dreyfus instead and shopping around to networks and some things happen where like the networks like don't accept it because wacky hijinks but well, yeah there's like that like the not being able to meet with each other and also like uh, apparently they like there's word that's popped up every now and then that they couldn't find a label for like a studio album like i, I just don't i mean these it. are three creative giants with gold and platinum albums with and without each other how right. could they not find a label how could they not get creative together i know that the creative process is sometimes ugh, subjective isn't even the word you know you have to feel it you can't manufacture right. it um especially in prog i think 
so I don't know. It'd be nice to see something, but let's let's talk about the quest, the brand new album yeah. from Yes. And I yeah, want to. I, I was yeah. Sorry, I was just about to say on the quest you had, you know, the members working together apart, like in different locations. Like you had yeah. Billy, Alan, and Jay working in L.A., and you had um, Jeff, Steve, and in in England and John Davison flew over to work with them and it's, it, it, they got this album together so it can be done. Like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I just want to say though, we'll, we'll talk about some other comments people have made. I've seen some extremely not favorable comments. I've seen some very favorable comments. Right, I just want to say been mixed. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just want to say a couple things about this one the way I feel about anybody's music is never affected by how someone else feels about it. That's number one. I don't care if someone else likes what I like or not. I don't care. I'm a caring person, but it doesn't matter to me if someone else appreciates what I appreciate or not. It just doesn't matter. But don't say something sucks. Just because you don't like it doesn't mean it sucks. It just means... You don't like it. That's all it means. Just like bananas, pizza, Monet, Van Gogh, playing dominoes. It, nothing sucks. It's a matter of whether or not you like it. That, that's the first thing. The other thing is, I forgot. So I'll go to the thing after that. <laughs> the thing after that is that, you know, if, if we never read liner notes, if we never knew who was in the band at any given time, we wouldn't have the same emotional attachments to these named factions, I'll call them. Yes isn't yes without John. Yes isn't yes without Bill Bruford. Yes isn't yes without Kim Bullard doing the programming. <laughs> or without you know, Eddie Jobson. Yeah, or without Eddie Jobson, Brian Lane, Eddie Offord. We can go on and on and on, and none of it means anything other than what it means to us. And there's no reason to spew out and argue your point. <laughs> Excuse me, because your point is your point, and that's great. That's fine if that's how you feel, but don't demean, try to demean other people for feeling differently and appreciating one yes versus another yes. Because someone who's just now entering the world of yes tour and doesn't know from the yes album lineup, the Gates of Delirium lineup, the Big Generator lineup, the Quest lineup, you just put all this music in front of them and they're going to gravitate to what meets their sensibilities. And that's what matters. So having said that Steve and I, two generations of yes fans are going to review track by track the quest. It's exciting to have a new yes album out. The production's awesome. Thank you, Steve. Howe. we want you all to chime in on this as well. So Steve, why don't you start? Right. So you and I, um, or and you and I, love that I song. Say. <laughs> we we've listened to it uh, digitally because it came out like on all the online official places, and it doesn't come out physically in the U.S. until the fifteenth. Um, I I got an email about the the Blu-ray art book, so I'm still expecting that. I'm really excited for it, but just had to like listen to it the day of. Otherwise, we'd be bombarded with all these opinions on social media without having heard the thing which would have been annoying to me anyway but yeah so um i guess i'll list the tracks real quick and then we'll go track by track so first off we have the ice bridge 
written by John Davison, Francis Monkman, and Jeff Downs. Um, Dare to Know, written by Steve Howe. Minus the Man by Davison and Billy Sherwood. Leave Well Alone by Howe. The Western Edge by Davison and Sherwood. Future Memories by Davison. Music to My Ears by Howe. A Living Island by Davison and Downs. And then we have a few bonus tracks that are on the second CD. Sister Sleeping Soul by Davison and Howe. Mystery Tour by Howe and Damage World by Howe. All right, so... We've already talked about the first couple tracks uh, before. So I guess uh, what, what I want to ask is how does the Ice Bridge sound in the context of the album to you? Um, it sounds different than everything else to some degree. It has a, more of a very... Um, Old English sound, if that makes any sense. Uh, I don't want to say medieval or the next period Renaissance, but it's more that than in line with the rest of the album. But I'm okay with that. That's just a difference I personally notice. Yeah. How about think, you? Yeah, there, there's a later song that kind of reminds me of that medieval fantasy type of feel. But I do agree that the Ice Bridge sounds very different from the rest of the album like i feel like it's probably the heaviest of all of these tracks but i still really appreciated what came later in the track list like oh and again it was a really good single and i i think it was it was a good first taste yeah and, and i think in hindsight it was a good it was a smart move to release dare to know as a single as well to show the fans that okay it's not gonna be just the ice bridge it's gonna be sort of in the spectrum of different moods you got heavy and you got softer um elegant type of stuff so yeah i think that was uh a good move on their part um what'd you think of dare to know in context like it, it sounded better to me in context but how about you yeah, me too. Um, and having said that about both those songs, there are some songs on the album I like even better than both of those. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy about that because, you know, when they trickle something out with one or two songs, it really makes you wonder what's the rest of the album like if this is what they chose to release first. And however that one or two songs rate with you, let's just say for discussion purposes on a scale of one to 10, they're fives. You're wondering, uh, is the rest, of, is that the pinnacle <laughs> for me or is everything going to be above that? And quite honestly, for me, as much as I like those two songs, almost everything else was above those two for me. Right. Yeah. I kind of feel the same way, but I wonder if part of that is possibly because I'd listened to these first two songs a few more times than the others. So maybe it felt like, in a way it's like okay those songs are kind of like old been there done that and so maybe because of this other stuff is newer to me I, like most most of it or some of it i think i like more than the first two tracks so i i told you when i first when you sent me the link i started from song three yeah because i heard those i'm gonna say something crazy as much as i think it's cool to go oh 
finally, there's a new song. Oh, oh. I'd be fine to never get a preview. I'd be fine mm-hmm. to just, bam, get the album and hear it all in context. They've always been an album-oriented band. I saw a very, very recent interview with Jimmy Page, who a lot of people don't know was in the first Yes lineup. Just kidding. But I heard this interview (laughs) with Jimmy Page about the new film, Becoming Led Zeppelin, and he explained that when he put together the first album, it was never meant to be for each song to stand on its own, even though they do. He couldn't get anyone with a label to get their heads around an album versus a song or two and the singles. So he went ahead and made it happen and then presented the whole album. That's the way I would like to receive music from anybody, even if there are hits on there. You know, I I just would rather, you know, don't, don't bring out just one portion of the dinner for me to look at. Just when it's ready, bring the whole thing. You know, I want to see, I want to experience it all in context as fun as a preview is. And we get eager for it. This kind of music, I think, especially the first time for me is better enjoyed in context with each other, like a movie. You're not just going to watch part of a movie. Oh, wait, till, I can't wait till the rest of the movie comes out. What the <laughs> hell is that? You know, it's sort of the same thing. I think, what do you think? Yeah, I, I don't know. Cause I really like getting a taste, like even just a little taste of what to expect. Um, like like with movies, I kind of don't care about movie trailers anymore unless they're related to Star Wars because there's just something about some of the Star Wars trailers that are done so well, even if the end result doesn't quite live up. Like this, the trailer, if done well, is still really timeless. But I, particularly for the quest, I think I'm thankful that we got those two songs in advance. So like... It, I think we had to, because if we got if we didn't hear the Ice Bridge until now, we'd be dealing with the Francis Monkman controversy now, and that would like I'm, I'm glad we're past that, like weeks or months or however past that. And that now. they gave so, him credit and everything. Yeah, like they gave him credit. So, yeah, I, I I get what you're saying. Like it's definitely fun to go into an album cold. That that's actually what I do when I go and listen to like go through discography of a band that I'm not as familiar with anyway. Like um, there are some bands where I've only heard maybe the stuff on the radio and I want to go beyond, but there are others where I've heard of the band and I know that they're kind of connected to these other bands or they're prog. And I just go in cold or maybe just based on the fact that Roger Dean did the cover art, but I'll just listen to the album without like, going in without any expectations and it, it can still be a very surprising and fulfilling experience. So I do get what you're saying. So you want to go th- still track by track or bounce around or like, what, how do you want to do this? Um, I still want to go track by track. Okay. So um, minus the man, uh, that was the first of these newer ones that we listened to. How, how did that one hit you? I liked it a lot. Um, it's emotional. It, it also was really cool to hear something with basically a new writing team. 
you know, with Billy Sherwood and Davidson. I know there's people out there, but that's not yes. <laughs> it is now. Yeah. You know? and, and they've written together in that band uh, Arc of Life. Yeah. Uh, which we heard a bit of a bit ago. I need to give that full listen, but yeah, they're very familiar with each other now. So it's cool to see that, but on the Yes album. Yeah, I think they did a great job. Yeah. In fact, like throughout much of this recording, Minus the Man has been in the back of my mind just playing like on repeat. It's that it's that good. Um, I, I love how, you know, when you look at the lyrics by themselves, it's all about technology and these philosophical and ethical questions of like, oh, sh should we build like, Oh, like these basically like these robots like building the superman minus the man um and like the subject matter kind of reminds me of something that the buggles or yes with the buggles uh working with them would make that's interesting yeah but the mood of it is totally different from what i that's, would expect from like you know trevor horn and jeff downs driven thing you know that's funny you mentioned that. There's a song I'll make that same comment on later on. Um, that's interesting. I did not pick that up, but I did on a different song. Yeah, and I do know that on Arc of Life, uh, there was that song talking with Siri. So I, I get the feeling that Sherwood um, and maybe Davison as well, like think about like, Tech, modern technology and sort of that kind of inspires them to like ask these questions and it's like not something that i'm used to hearing in some yes music uh, but it's definitely there like a bit in some places and yeah i really liked their use of like so somehow even though these words are complicated still catchy like is is this the key to our survival post-human technology? Do we trust full immersion, virtual reality? Like they, they make it catchy. Like, do we trust full immersion, virtual reality? Uh, it's some, something like that. But yeah, it's really cool. It sticks in my brain. And that's that's cool. That's the making of a good song. Yeah. <laughs> I think that um, the next track, Leave Well Alone, might be my favorite song. Um, I was impressed and happily pleased with the prognacity of it. <laughs> 33 points in Scrabble, that is. Um, <laughs> I, I like that song a lot. That was the first one where I went, yeah, this is reminiscent. This is traces of some older stuff and, and some of the guitar sounds. There's some guitar sounds and styles that, for me, range from the ladder to a touch of tails here and there. You know, I hear some interesting blends from the past. I know some other people have commented on that as well. Yeah, this is the other song where I kind of felt that medieval fantasy vibe. Like the way they sing these words kind of feels like something that a me medieval minstrel would sing. Like, provocation of the mystics you know that type of thing like it feels so classic like mid-70s uh like there are some rock songs that are kind of like that and um 
And, and yeah, I really love the instrumental section titled Wheels. It feels yeah. to me like partially it feels like a modern version of the Verm section from Starship Trooper. Oh, interesting. Yeah, but there's also some weird um like like it's I think you already said it like it parts of it sound reminiscent of the latter to me. Um and I think on another song as well, and actually like the keyboards remind me of Bring Me to the Power from Keys to Ascension 2. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have like weird keyboard stuff going like do, 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 and maybe guitar as well. And it kind of reminds me of the weird stuff that will go on on Bring Me to the Power where it's like. Do, 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 I felt that way too, do, do. yeah. Like just stuff that sounds weird even for yes, but and and yeah. Jeff is using a lot more classic sort of synthesizer sounds than he ever has, which right. is cool because those are yes flavors, no matter how you look at them. Just like, um, the one of the little guitar solos in, um, what's that song on talk in the calling of a miracle. the calling. Okay. Um, <laughs> conveniently, you know, that yeah. one little solo, that real clean guitar solo sounds very Steve Howe. Same thing with something I can't think of right now on 90125 um, might have been. Um, um, da -da 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 -da. Our song. Yeah, on our song. So there's been traces of other players emulating yes sounds that other players pre-established, if you will. You know, does that make sense? I, I hear that on this album and I'm okay. I don't care who plays it. If it's good music to me, I'm fine with it. Yeah. I remember when you first listened to this, you texted me and said, this song is so proggy. And yeah, you're like really excited about Leave Well Alone. It's really good. Yeah. Um, uh, that And that's all written by Hal. Uh, the next we have the Western Edge by Davidson and Sherwood. That song might be, and and Steve has heard all this more than I have, but I think the Western Edge might be the one that's, other than the Ice Bridge, most different from the rest of the album. Mm. Yeah, it does. It does feel like it could be a song on Sherwood's solo projects or on the, you know, other bands that Sherwood has worked with because it has that feel and um, his vocals are more upfront in certain places here, which I really like. Yeah. Um, oh, that's another thing is that his bass is more prominent on a lot of the songs than we first heard. Oh, on yeah. The Ice on Bridge. Minus the Man as well. Yeah. 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 There's some really neat stuff that he does that you can hear and it sounds great. Yeah. Um, like, I love the Western Edge. It's got a great pace to it. And, yeah. like... Excuse my sniffles, folks. <laughs> Allergies. Yeah, and, like, the Western Edge is, like, so inspiring to me. Because I think about, you know, I, I write lyrics, so I'm a very lyric, analytic kind of guy, uh, I guess you could say. Um, and so thinking about what this song is a, like when I think of like the Western edge, it's like, okay, the West is where the sun sets. And so I, I kind of wonder if 
maybe the intention is that you know it goes back to that saying that alan said in that I was yes, just documentary that. yes is a band that looks beyond the horizon and like there's like such like john davison is such a great singer and there's su such cathartic stuff at his song like cry to cry out to the sky the sky am i like it feels so empowering and so transcendent and um also like this feeling of oneness like we the celestial sea the ocean of humanity um there, there's just lots of great lyrical content in this one and i love how it sounds and my biggest criticism about the western edge is that it leaves me feeling like, oh, I wish this song were longer. Like, I, I would, I don't want this song to end. Yeah, it's a short song. It's, it's just under four and a half minutes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you have any more thoughts on that one? Um, no, no. I remember, though, when the track list first came out and we were very curious about the title Future Memories. You know, mm -hmm. that's just such a neat, you could call it an oxymoron or you know, whatever, right. but that's such a neat title. Do you think that the music and the lyrics live up to the name that we were intrigued by? Yeah, it's not what I expected based on the title. Um, maybe it's because the song Future Times kind of like gave me preconceived notions of what to expect, or it even sounds like something that could be related to technology. So maybe one of those types of songs, but it, it's a very... You know, it's a quieter, more personal sounding song. And it kind of reminds me of uh, the song um, To Ascend uh, from Heaven and Earth, particularly the part where uh, John sings Steal Away, There Are Shadows at Play. Like on the song To Ascend, he sings, Call out those bleak shadows from your mind. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, it, like that to me is very relatable because people suffer and there's all these bleak things that come to mind it's like you have to try to find a way to conquer you know um and like there's like some really good stuff on here like where uh it's like i don't want to make another memory without you and, and i feel like lots of people can relate to that with people they're close with and the song also kind of reminds me of the type of ballad that a band like asia would make mm. did you did you get that yeah or? yeah yeah but like i'm not complaining i really like it yeah um i like the next track a lot too uh music to my ears also uh just slightly over four and a half minutes written by steve howe i like that song okay yeah it's i like it but it's my least favorite on the album mm. um like it has a vibe that kind of like, like to me it has the same vibe as um funny also the penultimate track on heaven and earth uh, it was all we knew um like it has like a similar vibe to that and i i feel like maybe they could have done more with this uh some of it sounds a little bit repetitive to me um but i mean i hear that it's it's yeah. fine i guess um what, like what do you love most about it i don't know just the the technique he's using it it feels uh 
it's mellow, sing-songy, you know, it just feels good. Okay. There, there is an interesting, unusual part where it goes, do, 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 do. like that, yeah. that part does stand out to me. It's, I do think it's the, cool, the melodic, but, melodicism yeah. of it, you know? Yeah, like something that sounds kind of different that I wouldn't expect in a Yes song. I do like that part of it. Cool. Um, and then we get the end of CD1, which is A Living Island. Uh, what do you think of this one? I like that song a lot. Um, if I remember correctly, one sec. That might be tied for my second. No, that's my third favorite. That's my third favorite. Okay. I haven't said the second favorite yet. We haven't gotten to it. Um, <laughs> but I, I like that song. And I also like that um, it's a bit longer. I like that. So we're getting more from them in that one piece. Um, and that's a cool writing duo as well, Davis and Downs. Yeah. It, it begins quieter, but um like escalates and gets a bit more bombastic or i guess you could say like uh, i think it has a nice start to it like in yeah. the west atlantic beyond the windward chain a living coral island where we can start again and then you hear all this stuff about like the world going mad and going crazy and like the first time listening to this uh, when it got to the part where um which part was it? It was when, right before the part where they sing, and the voice of the mother so loud, so clear, rebirth now, there's that vocal part that sounds very heavenly, very transcendent. And then uh, when it got to the part where uh, John sings, a nation to nation, we're in this together, the together apart in isolation, I thought to myself, oh, wait, is this song about, you know, the isolation that we've had to go through during the pandemic and it's like it, it very much feels like it's probably inspired by yeah. that and like it, it just feels like like the rest of it from there it feels like a love letter to people in the medical fields who are trying to do their best to save people like you know it says here's to the frontline saviors and the everyday heroes unseen and it's just it, it's just so overwhelmingly thought-provoking i mean recently you and i reviewed um end of innocence and you know there are like firefighters during that event who like you know everyday heroes that yeah. we don't always know their names and um like this was like this is like a tribute to everyday heroes essentially and also acknowledging the people who are no longer with us um you know it acknowledges like to you with sad spirits who mourn dear ones now gone to their memories we dedicate this song and it just like i i, I feel like this was a perfect ending to that first disc honestly I, like the way the vocals escalate like i love it i have mixed feelings about that point i right. think <laughs> i i think yes if you look at it from that point of view but overall, musically, um, 
I was a little disappointed that both CDs end with something more on the mellow side. You know, I just prefer that an album end with, you know, I can't wait till the next one comes out. I mean, the whole album's supposed to make you feel that way. But that's just my own personal sensibilities. We talked about that with Magnification. As much as I love that album, the last song was such a come down from all the ah, adrenaline and the endorphins and then you know like a robot being shut down you know so that's just me personally though i'm not knocking it i'm just saying that's a little different from what i want yeah but it's a beautiful uh, song it's a great song yeah i I mean like we've talked about before i'm the i'm the one who loves um holy lamb as the end of big generator so yeah (laughs) yeah yeah same thing there yeah Right. Um, so I guess we'll get to the bonus tracks and then we'll get to these other points of discussion. So first up, we have Sleeping Sister Soul. Which... And I, that for me is the song I wish was longer. I like that song a oh, lot. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, go ahead. Uh, you first. Uh, that is the one that for me uh, reminds me of some traces of the Fly From Here album, particularly Hour of Need. It reminds me of Hour of Need. Yes, yes, that's what it reminded me of too. Like it has a similar keyboard. And How's playing the same instrument. Yeah. Yeah, Just the the feel and, and the production of both albums are similar as well. Yeah, and... It feels like a very personal song as well. Like there was someone close and maybe there was perhaps a fallout of sorts. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's one of those songs that makes me think like, what, what was the inspiration for this yeah. type of thing? Um, yeah. Who's and, it about? You know? Yeah. Like, I think it's really good. And um, I think this is the one where you pointed out that, the vocals at the end were kind of similar to Teak Boy by ABWH. Yeah, towards towards the end, it reminded me so much of the la 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 that same sort of construction, um, which was cool because that's that's very yes, even though I'm quoting ABWH, but we all know that like. Bill Bruford said he thought he was joining a jazz band and he <laughs> sort of did with the vocals of the fifth dimension, which is all harmonies and stuff. It was quite unique at the time. And guess what? They still are. And that's still a huge part of yes, is the rich layers of vocals. Um, and it was cool to hear that Ah, as well as hearing Steve Howe pop in on some lead here and there throughout the album. I liked that. And, uh, and Billy's harmonies and, and things with John and with Steve, I, I like that, that they've kept that aspect of the band's music alive, even though yeah. it sounds different. It sounds different. I'm not saying it sounds just like John Anderson, Chris Squire, and Steve Howe. I'm saying it sounds like John Davison, Billy Sherwood, and Steve Howe. And it, it still has those elements that we've all come to know and love of yes, no matter what the lineup has been, that's been a present from the first two albums to into the real proggy stuff, close to the edge, Gates Delirium, Tales from Topographic Oceans, into the 80s, we heard that, and we heard it in the latter, we heard it in Magnification. That's been maybe the most constant thing in Yes music. Yeah, like when I 
when I want to hear new Yes music with John Davison on lead, I don't want him to emulate John Anderson. And I, I feel like they've done, like, he's he's done a great job of not, like, I know some people have that criticism that, oh, he feels like he's trying too hard to be John Anderson. But, like, I don't, I never feel that with like, I agree. the new songs. Like, even on, like, on Heaven and Earth, say what you will, but John Davison still sounded like, himself and yeah. did very well in his role on that album. Yeah, he's got his here. he's got his own voice and he doesn't have just one voice and I think he's got a great voice. He and it works very well with Billy and with Steve. I'm I'm very pleased with it. I, yeah. You know, and I told him that um on the what what tour was that I when we saw you, I think you told him on the Yes 50 tour when yeah, we saw him I was Irvine really impressed with how he pulled off awaken i mean if you can do awaken and make me happy because that's my favorite <laughs> yes song well that in the revealing science of god that i i was extremely impressed my mouth was hanging open with a smile and engine knew because she knows how i feel about that song and i couldn't wait to tell him i really was impressed i truly was yeah when he sings the classic yes songs he sounds like himself singing the yes songs like really well but there's that one moment where we were watching awaken and when it got to the master of images section like you and i had the same thought that in that moment he sounded exactly like john anderson like he doesn't need to sound like john anderson all the time but for that one moment it was really impressive how yeah. exact it felt it was weird but really yeah cool. <laughs> yeah good on him and i'm so glad that um he's standing out on an album like this um what what are your thoughts on sister sleeping soul where does that rank for you i mentioned it's like second for me um it's I, I it's not in my top three I, i'm trying to think of whether it might be in my top five um, oh, this guy <laughs> like it's a really good song i'm just not sure where i'd rank it like i i, I have my favorites but i'm still like so would it rank to... higher if tom brislin was involved <laughs> <laughs> i mean i don't know and <laughs> just teasing um but yeah, it's a really good song. Uh, like, I love it. Yeah. Um, and then we get Mystery Tour. Um, yeah. The Beatles uh, tribute, like, homage uh, song. Yeah. I. Uh, it didn't <laughs> connect with me. That's, that's my song. It just didn't connect. Like, it's this little story about the Beatles, and they squeezed it on in three minutes and 33 seconds. And I know that's something close to Steve Howe's heart, and I appreciate that. I think that's a beautiful thing. But... Eh, it it sorry steve and guys it just steve how and guys it just didn't <laughs> resonate i know you don't care how i feel about it but i don't want to and i'm i'm different from a lot of people i think not that there's not a lot of people that feel like i do but <laughs> i do like i don't want to hurt anyone's feelings but i'm going to say how i feel about it you know and and they right. shouldn't care their music should only matter to them. No one should create music for their fans. No one should do that. Don't say they should do that, people. No one, no one in the arts, no one should dance for their fans. No one should should write music or lyrics or, or, or violin or anything. That's the artist does what they do for their sensibilities and abilities as an artist. But somehow I feel this little tinge 
maybe it's because we've just been so close to them for so many years. And I don't want to like piss anybody off or go, Oh, really? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. But that one just didn't connect with me. That's all. That's just me. Just yeah. like you, you uh, hate sister sleeping soul. I mean, I don't, I don't hate, I know I'm sister, kidding. <laughs> sister sleeping soul. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, mystery tour would have been odd to have on the main album like on cd1 but because it's essentially a bonus track i'm fine with it It, it's like how on the on the um what was it on the expanded and remastered version of termato there's that weird song money which would have felt really out of place like even with all the other stuff on termato um so especially because it started with like cash register sounds and Oh, you're thinking of Pink Floyd's money. <laughs> um, but Mystery Tour, I I like it more than music to my ears, but I think that's it. However, having said that, it's still a catchy song to me that still it gets in my head. And it's like, you know, it's a silly song. I agree with that. Fun. I agree with that. So does It's a Small World, but I'm not putting it on. <laughs> <laughs> no, th- this is miles above. It's a yeah. small world to me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, then we close out this whole. Well, well, I just want to say oh. first that um, I, I like that they incorporate the names of the Beatles and these other people. I just kind of oh, wish yes. they, that they could have um, found a way to incorporate Pete Best and Stuart Sutcliffe's name in there somewhere. I don't know how they would have done it, but. Might have been nice, um, but but imagine if someone did a song like this for, like about yes, like imagine how many names they would have tried to cram into a song like that. <laughs> That's that would be the next Tales from Topographic Oceans double album. Each side would be <laughs> like certain it periods of the band. That's hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> you, they'd have to mention Nunu Whitting. That's a deep cut. Do any of you know who that is? You know who that is, right? Only maybe because I mentioned it the other day. Yeah, you, you told me, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it, interesting. Um, yeah, and, and then we get the final track on that second disc, um, which is Damaged World, uh, the one where we have How very prominent on vocals. Yeah. What did you yeah. think of that one? I, I like that. Um, so Steve Howe's voice works really well as part of that yes choir, we'll call it. Okay. And it's in all the seminal songs and albums that define Prague, Close to the Edge, Siberian Katru, and you and I, Gates of Delirium. You know, he's he's present, but when he sings lead, he's got a very different voice now i think it'd be fair to say people either love it or hate it and when i got his first solo album beginnings i was actually taken aback to hear his voice by itself but i really like it i really do it's just so different from any other yes voice it's different than john anderson john davison chris squire billy sherwood it's just so different but yet it's part of it's part of yes canon it really is and to hear it on its own it's kind of like oh there's a brought up to the front i like it and because of that i like the song um and yeah. it's a you know just a heavy topic as well 
Yeah, it's, yeah, there's kind of a continuing theme, you know, stuff about environmentalism as well as stuff going on in the world and, you know, trying to... Grappling with getting through it all, you know. Yeah, and yeah, I, I totally agree on the Steve House singing stuff. I feel like some people are too harsh about his singing. I, I really love it. Like, when we got Don't Take No for an Answer on Return Trip, like, I that was really great, you know, hearing him sing... Amidst these mountains again, I realize, you know, that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, Like, Damaged World, it's, I think it's still taking me time to have the words sink in, like, where they're easily, like, you know, when I think of the songs, like, in my head, like, it's taking me longer to have the words of this come to mind, like, to internalize at all you know um so it's a good song um i don't i don't think i i feel like i would have swapped this with sisters sleeping soul in the tracking order of the second cd like i feel like sleeping what's the song called sister sleeping soul yes would have made a stronger ending to that second disc and um reversed as i agree and by the way you you may have seen me laugh when you were talking about that. I wasn't <laughs> laughing at you or how you feel, but what was funny to me is you're saying I'm letting these words sink in and, and, you know, all of that. And I'm thinking to myself, John Anderson has written such gibberish that just sunk in immediately. Gold stainless <laughs> nail torn through the distance of what the fuck? What? <laughs> but yet it sinks in and it's like, yeah. Listen, should we fight for that's not gibberish, but you know what I mean? It's like, isn't yeah. that weird how how it's almost like the meaning isn't always a clear line to whether or not it's going to sink in or not. I think melody has to do with it, the whole sensibility yeah. of the song. And it's the whole picture, right? Because if you look at the lyrics to some of the like, how how is I get up, I get down part of close to the edge how is yeah <laughs> the whole thing about the women and the others are shaking what, their head what, what, the, is, what the hell is a total mass retain <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but that is so yes it's so yeah <laughs> yeah it is um now i'm my mind is running away with all those crazy lyrics that that uh rick says i don't know what these songs are about and <laughs> I'm glad I was so glad to hear that. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm not missing something. I'm not the fucking village idiot that doesn't understand the story, you know? Yeah, no, John, <laughs> uh, I think I can't remember if John Anderson said this or if someone else said that's how he views them, but basically it's like the words are like colors. And he, he said that. Yeah, okay, yeah. So yeah, he uses he, what like an instrument together. And I love, I love that approach. I try that approach um in my lyric writing too. I, yeah. I adopted that to conversational speaking nothing i say has to make any sense yeah the it just has to feel good and sound good yeah the shoebox pizza microphone wave <laughs> farfig nougat yogurt and that spike cleats <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right i think we better get back to yeah overall overall how does the album strike you overall new yes album in how long um technically seven, seven years yeah years. we had, had from a page to hold us over but that was recorded before like all yeah. the other stuff 
And, and overall, how does it strike you? On a scale of one to 10, first album in a long time, first album with this lineup, how does it strike you? I've, I'm feeling at least an eight, maybe. Like, I feel like it, it could be a bit heavier in some places and longer in some places, but overall, it's a solid effort. Um, yeah. It's, I feel and, like... Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, I feel like they've grown like th this lineup like you know not not just five people but also six people uh because of how jay shellen has been adding stuff here and there um like they've learned to work together um i do think there are some elements they could accentuate a bit more maybe um you know just more experimentation that they could do but as the first Yes album, like new material in seven years, I think it's solid. Like it's, yeah, it's pretty good. Like I, I'm feel pretty happy with it. Yeah, and just think, we get one more album from this lineup, and then we get to guess who else is going to be in the band. Because <laughs> they only do two albums per lineup. One second, hold on. Another note. Um, we'd be remiss if we didn't comment on the production. And I think Steve Howe did a great job producing it. I hear traces of, as I mentioned before, fly from here, not just in the music, but the production, yeah. but also the latter. The latter is one of my favorite, favoritely produced, favorite, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. one of my favorites when it comes to how it's produced. And how could you not learn something as, as a member of that band working with, the late Bruce Fairbairn and such a great job he did producing that. And Billy is a great producer, great mixer. You know, there, there's a lot of talent surrounding the whole production of this thing. And with Steve Howe taking the lead, you know, the, the decades of influence he's had of from Eddie Offord to Bruce Fairbairn and Billy Sherwood, his junior, you know, there's a lot of influence there, and I do love the production of it. Keys, yeah. I also liked a lot, and we can blame Billy for that. Um, <laughs> yeah, and we also got um, Curtis Schwartz as the album's engineer and mixer. So yeah, yeah, great good on job him too. Yeah, great, great job. Um, I'd love to see the tour. Um, you had asked me also, and you just mentioned Jay Shellen. What did I think of his contributions? Honestly, I, I haven't read the liner notes, so I don't know exactly what he's done, but I have a feeling right. on um, Sister Sleeping Soul, he's playing, um, if that's the song I'm thinking, with the talking drum. That's called a talking drum. I'm, I'm guessing some of that stuff he's added. I, I never otherwise would have listened to it. And this is not a knock on Jay. Jay is not a knock on you, but had I not known, I never would have thought, Oh, Hey, there's a different additional percussionist on this. I never, it never would have occurred to me. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's good. I don't know. I'm just saying it is what it is. So that right. answers the question you had about that. Yeah. I, I was kind of wondering if maybe he did like some xylophone stuff on the leave wall alone. Um, I think or that could have been Jeff downs on <laughs> keyboards. It's, it's so hard to tell these days. Yeah. Oh. Regarding the orchestra, honestly, I don't want this to sound like a knock. It's just a curious thing. I don't understand why they used an orchestra to do the things Jeff clearly could have done with the keyboards and made it sound just as good with today's technology. I kind of don't get that. 
I mean, I thought the orchestra, it, it was a nice addition, like, especially on Dare to Know, there's that beautiful part where it like around the two minute mark it, where it sounds so majestic, but, but, but I never but, would have known it was an orchestra if I didn't right. know. Like they weren't on all the songs. Um, I'm not sure what all the songs they were on are. I feel like I definitely heard them on the first three, but after that, yeah. they, it either disappears or it's not. Um, but, Orchestras I mean, I, I are not cheap, it. by the way. Right. <laughs> it, I mean, it's union. You got to feed everybody. There's time constraints, and then it, it's it's complicated. So for them to use that in 2021 and a half, I give them a lot of credit. But I I didn't hear like, oh, I'm so glad they used an orchestra. Jeff Downs never would have been able to do that. It's the opposite for me. It's like, why didn't Jeff just do that? The technology's there. He's done it before. Like, right. I don't get it, and that's okay. I like the outcome and that's what's important. I'm just curious about that other stuff. Yeah. And speaking of the lineup, like this has been pointed out by other people, but if you think about it, this configuration of yes, like no, like that's been going since 2015 after Chris passed away and Billy joined, like nobody, like no fully fledged official member has left the lineup since then and it's been six years since then and that is actually like the longest we've gone without departures like that like before the the longest was from like end of 1983 around when 90125 came out and then end of big generator tour that was like almost five years i think and so now this is like depending on how you look at it like i know that there were the times when Dylan Howe and Jay Schoen had to do stuff live. It's like this iteration of yes, like from a certain point of view has gone on longer continuously than other lineups have but like consecutively. It's true, but it's not like they've put out a bunch of material. So right. it's, it's offset by that. And, and you know, I, you know, personally that I love Alan, I've known Alan 31 years. He's a huge influence on me. He got our first drum talk TV award. You were there, you filmed it. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, there's a picture of him right there, folks, holding my other son, Alex, when Alex was two weeks old, but I don't know if Alan's going to make it to the tour. If they tour, I know his back issues are getting worse and worse. He's 73 now. I think I mean his his name is on the poster but what's interesting is that I think recently on the Yes World side they also added Jay to like the picture of the lineup so it's the six of them so I like that Jay is finally seeming like he's on equal footing with everyone else and I mean if I really like... wanted that job though <laughs> to be honest with you but Jay go for it man Yeah you know I've been playing that music since I was a little kid since I was a kid, literally. Folks, for those of you who don't know, I play a little bit of drums. I've been playing 51 years. I should be a lot better. But but yes has <laughs> been yes has been, and I mean like all yes, from from relayer to tails close to the edge to 90125 album to magnificate everything. It's been very close to my heart. And I have a collection of yes bootlegs that go all the way back to reel to reel tape. I've got my <laughs> old reel to reel player up there. Um and and you know who who in my position wouldn't want that job you know right. um 
And and I learned more the style of Alan White, who's been with the band the longest as far as drummers go. Um, and it, if they're going to carry on, obviously, you know, we could see how it's being positioned. It has right. been for a couple. Yeah, like Jay would be the heir apparent. Yeah. Um, like next drummer role. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we have other points of discussion for and the quest. Um, oh, I'm sorry, I just want to chime in and mention, folks, remember to chime in. And we know this is a long episode. We had some news at the beginning and we had to cover every bit of this album and then some. And now we're getting to the then some. Yeah. <laughs> so we have other points of discussion uh, about the album, but we also have fan reactions. So uh, I'll leave it up to you. What order do you want to go in? Like, do you want to do the other points first or reactions first? Let's do some reactions and give uh, fans, fellow fans, some pub. Okay. So we put out a post and shared it into a few groups asking what people think of the quest now that's finally out. Um, so I, I guess I'll start and then we'll switch uh, between each person. Sound good? Yeah. All right. So this is from Paul Watson, who says, loving it, so loving it. Just picking up so many different nuances on here from each of the band. I not only think, but also feel John Davison has come into his own on this new release. He's taken ownership of the vocal side of Yes and blended in so well with what Steve, Billy, Jeff, and Alan have themselves contributed. He's not only singing well, but also smartly. All those little twists in his voice just makes it magic. Highlight for me is future memories that I can't stop playing it. For me, it's right up there in feeling with soon and wondrous stories. Yeah, that's interesting. Those particular songs didn't come to my mind when listening to future memories. Interesting. Um, I like that he's paying attention and not just being judgmental. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. You know? I, like at this point, I've listened to the album in full four times now. Uh, the third time was like, um shuffled around but yeah I, like basically like there have been a few people or several people saying that like each yes album needs at least a few listens and i totally agree like it takes time for some of it to sink in um yeah, but yeah why don't you go ahead and read the next one okay eki ramon thanks for writing in he says this he or she i'm sorry i think it's a he i'm not sure doesn't matter uh we're all Yes fans. That's yes, who we are. <laughs> exactly. This can't touch Yes at their peak in the 70s, but I don't think anybody could expect this, particularly not from this lineup. But it is still an interesting album, which should not be dismissed too quickly. I played it more or less all day. It's well worth digging into it with lots to discover, exclamation point. Certainly no disappointment here. So it ends on a really high note, given the first sentence which is really cool that's fair yeah basically like so saying the stuff that i accidentally said ahead of it <laughs> yeah. um so this next one is form uh form from michael escamilla 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 oh yeah okay so you have um, espanol one of those is probably right um, C, oh, which is also yes in Spanish. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Michael says, I was a John Davison fan from his work in Glass Hammer, which I thought was better than anything Yes had done apart from magnification in years. 
this is a good blend of him with the other musicians. Very good album. Wow. Yeah, That's so sick. we got a bit more magnification love there. And yeah, interesting to hear from a Glass Hammer fan. Like I've probably only listened to maybe two of their albums at most. So it's cool to hear from someone who's more familiar with that. And make that comparison, yeah. Lucio David Fulci says, love all of them. It makes me want to listen to them again and again, and I shall. Great sounds. Cool. Yeah, and this one is from Geraldo Tavares, uh, who's from Brazil, who says, with a lot of effort, I can only like three or four songs. The Ice Bridge, which was a lure that gave us the false hope that record could come at least on the fly from here level. Dare to Know has Howe's striking guitar and good vocal moments. Leave Well Unknown refers to turbulence with a good tempo and a great vocalization. From then on, the album starts to be dragged by a compilation of ballads that can have good moments conducted by House Striking Guitar. An example is Future Memories, but definitely not even the most exciting. So, huh. yeah. Mixed like, review. Yeah, so like there are a few that um, Geraldo likes, but I, I do agree that some of them are ballady, but I feel like they're executed well, um, in my opinion, anyway. I know it's not going to work for everyone, but yeah, mixed yeah. review there. And by the way, you, you're fluent in Spanish. That might be Geraldo, just so you know. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> and this next person, oh my gosh, this is so cool to get a comment from this. Everybody knows this guy and his tea. It's my son Alex's favorite flavor tea. This is from Earl Grey. Who would have thought? <laughs> I would never have guessed that he's a Yes fan, but it kind of makes sense if you think about it. Earl Grey says, I love it. Great with every cup. No, it doesn't say that part. It says, <laughs> says I love it. It's very good song-based. There's a lot of interplay between the guitars, often acoustic, and the vocals. It's a new tangent for Yes. They could have done the same old thing. They didn't. It's an excellent record that has unexpected strength, strengths that I'm embracing. I love it. That's a really positive, colorful review by Earl Grey. Yeah. It's also Captain Picard's favorite tea. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I wonder what Patrick Stewart thinks of this, <laughs> even though Rick's not on it. Yeah. Can you imagine if Patrick Stewart was a Yes fan and wanted to be on our podcast? That'd well, be something. Well, he <laughs> is. He, right? Isn't he? He is must he? be. He he narrated Return to the Center of the Earth. Oh, that's right. So He's the voice wow. of that album. So how could he not be? Huh. Yeah. He's got to be a Yes fan. <laughs> He's got to be familiar yeah. with Rick's work having done and I, I know William Shatner has worked with Billy, Billy. Sherwood on his spoken yeah. word album, Ponder the Mystery, which is really good. It's a great listen. I think you'd love it. Yeah, um, absolutely. And Mark Hamill did something with ELP. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Rob Drew says it has great production and playing. There is some good music here, but overall it is quite restrained. It could do more urgency, more balanced between light and power. For good or for bad, it's where the band is these days. So <laughs> I kind of get what Rob means. Like, I think be partially because of the ice bridge, there's an expectation that maybe there would be more heavy moments here and there. And I do think they could have added a bit more 
of that, but I'm, I'm still personally pleased with the end result. Me too. And I do hear the restraint. I, I really perked up with uh, leave well alone because it's longer and more proggy. And that, right. that really got me excited. So not having that throughout the album, I hear the restraint, but it's their work. It's their art. It apparently isn't what they were going for. And I respect that, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, this is Joel Y. Periard, not to be confused with Captain Picard. <laughs> it says, this is not a lot of hard textures, but there's a lot of really tasteful playing serving the songs. There are very laid back moments punctuated by some really nice Alan White, Billy Sherwood interactions. I agree. Uh, sonically, the production is excellent. I think everyone agrees with that so far. Jeff Downs is quite understated. But if he was not there, the songs would be lacking. Steve and John blend well, and Billy Sherwood, both in playing and singing channels, his own style and his inner Chris, which I suspect will be him until his last day. Not a bad thing at all. Alan is solid throughout. The drums sound excellent. I agree. The drum sounds are great. I didn't mention that. There's some big, fat drum moments, and those are my kind of drum sounds. I love that. Um, Joel goes on to say, second time on random play. Actually, a lot of similarities in the writing style the from a page sessions. In my opinion, if those songs and these were together as a new album, they would fit seamlessly, mm. even though those were all Oliver Wakeman-led compositions. That's interesting. And let's all let's remember that everything by Yes has been influenced by yes, <laughs> present or past. So that kind of makes sense in a very seamless way. Then he goes on to say the songs are mid-tempo for the most part, but very well crafted and the playing is really good. Alan is really good on this, solid and good fills, etc. for anyone who has any misgivings. The atmosphere is a lot like from the turn of the card or words on a page or the gift of love. Cool. Yeah, interesting I, comparisons there, and I hear them. Yeah, I get what he means. Like some of it does remind me of from a page, particularly um, a living island gives me a similar feeling to when I listen to the gift of love, which is the closing track on from a page. Like it's very, like it. They both feel very cathartic uh, to me. Um, like very uplifting and just strong endings to both of those discs in my opinion so yeah and, and i do think from a page would work well with some of these songs and even with some of the fly from here songs that aren't fly from here or even some of the heaven and earth songs like from a page is such a solid ep that i just love to keep praising whenever i can so That's thanks, cool. for, thanks for giving me that opportunity joel perard <laughs> Cool. Um, uh, two more. Jim Voigt, unless it's wah, says, um, I've only heard it once all the way through, but really enjoyed it. Every song. I can tell it's an album I'll come back to again and again. Excited to keep listening. Cool, Jim. Thanks. One yeah. more. And Stefan Kaiser says, at the moment, my favorite is the track with the orchestra. I believe track two. Uh, so that would be Dare to Know, I guess. Uh, he goes on, for this album, I can say 
The quest is to go on a musical adventure together with the band. This lineup is awesome. Everything is on point and very well sounding. So it's nice to get some positive reviews considering all the crap that's been slung around a lot yeah, online like, in the yes groups, you know. Yeah, like there were also some negative and mixed ones. Um, you know, like some people saying it's not yes to me or like so, there were a couple of people who didn't really like their production that much, but I mean, it's not, it wasn't going to please everyone. It right. It never will. To, Gates but, of Delirium doesn't please everyone. Yeah. Really. You know, <laughs> there's people that were hardcore fans of the first two albums that heard that and thought it was a big acid trip. I mean, <laughs> not everything's going to please everybody. It just isn't like that. And that's okay. Right. Um, cool. Yeah, so we have these other points of discussion uh, regarding the quest. So I think we kind of alluded to this, but do you have a favorite song from the album? Yeah, it's it's Leave Well Alone. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You? And uh, mine is, it's probably A Living Island. Like, I just love the way it ends that okay. first disc. Um so I guess no surprises there, really, <laughs> if listeners have been paying attention. I know a lot of people have said this is another point I wanted to bring up. We talked okay. about a lot of people have said it's it's a Steve House solo album. Before they even heard the album, they were saying that. <laughs> I don't hear that at all. Not in the least right. bit. Yeah. Like, when I think of a Steve House solo album, I think maybe mostly instrumental or maybe some of the tracks will have him on lead, but here we only have one track with him on lead and it's one of the bonus tracks. And, you know, his guitar has a strong presence, but so has his work on classic Yes stuff. And this sounds closer to those classic Yes albums than to Steve Howell's solo albums to me. So, yeah, like it's basically just something that people like to cling to because... Like they view this lineup as just the Steve Howe band, but like it's it's yes to me. Like that's yeah. We're an hour and a half. Let's round it out. <laughs> okay. Uh so And folks, if you're still listening, thanks. If you're still with us, thanks. Chime in, comment, and let us know. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, we still got like several other points. Jeez. Um, <laughs> i mean this is a huge event like this album so yeah um were there any songs that make you want to sing them aloud i honestly don't know the album well enough i've only heard it all the way through twice and i've heard a couple songs or so more than that so i really am not that immersed in the music yet Okay, I feel like the ones that bring me closest to that are A Living Island, Minus the Man, and The Western Edge. But I don't have that strong of a feeling to sing them as I did for um, The Gift of Love on From a Page or even Believe Again and To Ascend from Heaven and Earth. Like, I kind of wonder if maybe part of that is just I'm kind of different now compared to those time periods. So Possibly, yeah. yeah. Who knows? Um, okay. And what do you think of the inclusion of sections on 
certain tracks. So we got like the Ice Bridge, uh, Leave Well Enough, um, is uh, that the title? And A Living Island each leave have well three, alone. Yeah. yeah, Leave Well Alone. They I, each have like A, B, and C sections. Yeah, I'm indifferent to that. I'm indifferent to that as much as I am to that on and you and I and close to the edge. If I didn't read it and see it, I wouldn't think of it that way. You know, it's mm. to me, it's like an internal sensibility from the author or the writer or the composer. Um, so I just kind of, eh, you know, it's reminiscent. Whoops. It's reminiscent of classic. Yes, because of that. But aside from that, it doesn't mean anything to me. Okay. Yeah, I guess after reading those it made me try to pay attention to the parts where it switches to sort of a different feel um, try to like delineate between each one yeah each like section. yeah and i don't mind it it's it, yeah it's just kind of there i guess yeah um yeah i think we kind of we already touched upon the orchestrations and whether any of the songs remind us of past yes material and we touched on jay's percussion um oh so this is something that someone else pointed out i think um there's no writing credit from alan white uh, was that like surprising to you yeah it was i think this might be the first album since he yeah, joined in 1972 that doesn't have a writing credit yeah maybe yeah um yeah. yeah it was something that i didn't really notice until someone pointed out but yeah that yeah. is curious interesting because he's always been a contributor right but i mean he still plays well on the album yeah so, yeah if um, that's him <laughs> All right, we won't go there. Um, <laughs> it totally sounds like him, though. Yeah. Uh, so how well do you think Billy is integrated in the new material? Very well. I wouldn't mind if he was even louder. Yeah, he's I, very I, well I agree. Integrated. Yeah. Yeah, he's well integrated. Um, I think they could do more with him, like let him be a bit more front and center in certain aspects. Um, yeah. But I'm a little surprised he wasn't. Um, right. vocally as well. Yeah, like I, I love his singing, so I guess I would have liked more uh, vocal stuff from him, but there was still like bits here and there where I think you were like, he sounds like he's singing like Chris and like it was very like remarkable, you know? Yeah, he does, does a great job. I, yeah. I do absolutely admire and respect him. Yeah. Um, do you think the track list could have been changed a bit? Again, I, I'm not familiar with, with it enough to really make that judgment. Other than the two things I said, I would have made the last song of each CD a different song. I like ending on more energy. You know, Tempest Fugit being the last song on an album. You know, stuff like that. Is Silent Wings of Freedom or is it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, that's just me personally. It doesn't really mean much more than that. <laughs> okay, yeah. How about you? Would you rearrange everything? Like you so, do at my house when you come over? <laughs> so I'm pretty happy with the track listing on the first disc. 
Um, I'll touch upon what I think of the bonus track stuff when we get there in a bit, but um, which songs would you most like to hear live from this album? Oh, that's a great question. Um, Minus the Man, Leave Well Alone, The Western Edge, uh, Music to My Ears, Living Island, and Sister Sleeping Soul. I know that's a lot to ask six, but those, I know they'll play the Ice Bridge. But mm-hmm. I would love to see those six being played. Yeah. I, I The ones I would most like for them to play live are probably The Ice Bridge, Minus the Man, The Western Edge, and A Living Island. Um, no mystery yeah. tour? <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't mind if they played it. It's just not one of the ones I would most want them of to course. play from this album. Uh, like they played Imagine on the Royal Fair tour, and that was pretty cool. Oh, that is cool. Yeah. Um, okay. So. Uh, okay. So apparently, the thing about the second disc. So, what's weird is the first disc has forty-seven minutes worth of material, and the second disc has thirteen minutes of material. So, like, it could have all fit on one disc. Yeah. But- what's with the second disc? Yeah, so I was reading up on this. Uh, apparently, uh, the label asked them to shoot for 50 minutes or under for the album. And so that's what they did with the first disc. But then I guess they said, you know, if you want to include extra <laughs> stuff, we could do it on a second disc. And like, I guess it's a way to separate those bonus tracks from the actual But why? Album. How? Um, what makes them bonus tracks? Well, bonus tracks to me are something that gets released later after the original album. <laughs> oh, these were done during those sessions too. Now there's a new version release and it has bonus tracks. Other than that, there's nothing bonus about them. Well, I partially disagree in that, you know, Mystery Tour feels very different from the disc one stuff. Like it's kind of a more fun, a tribute song. Um, so, I mean, I know Yes has covered every little thing and included it on their first album, but like a mystery tour feels very different from everything else to me. And so it makes sense to me to have that separate from the other stuff. Um, Sister Sleeping Soul, I think could have fit on the main stuff. I don't know why that one is separated. Like, I feel like it's part of that same mold if that makes sense yeah and and then um damaged world i guess because it's steve how led maybe that's why they thought it'd be bonus but i still don't it, get it like it's it kind of feels like in the middle to me i don't really have i don't really lean one way or the other for it but yeah like i i feel like personally they should have just had these as part of that first disc if it was that little amount of time and you know you could fit all of these on that one disc and i guess it's easy for me to say because you know i grew up on the expanded remastered cds that came with bonus tracks so it was like okay the album ends and then you get all this extra stuff like right after all on the same cd um i i think it would have made more sense to make it a second disc if they had also included demos uh, early versions of some of the songs maybe even 
a lengthy interview track with the band members about the process. <laughs> That'd be cool. Yeah, like I feel like there's more they could have done with this idea of a two disc set. Um, yeah, like, like forty minutes left on the yeah. second disc. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, and I mean, you know, Jeff and John Davison they, seven years ago they were working on like a ten minute song. Yeah, where's that? Yeah, like I, I, I don't know what happened to that. I feel like they could have fit that on here if they wanted to, like cover Freebird and put it on there or something. Yeah, so like I don't know if maybe the label is the main thing to blame, but it, it's it's just weird. Like I feel like they could have done more with this idea of like a two disc set, or they could have just made it one disc that just made it simpler, you know? Yeah. Uh, like I like that we have all of these tracks, but they didn't really need to be separated into these two discs. Um, like I feel like if I were to put Sister Sleeping Soul on the first disc, I think I'd put it between, uh, what was it? It's the, uh, I, I think I would put it between um, the other uh, future memories and music to my ears. But the other ones, I don't know what I'd put them between, to be honest. So Yeah, uh, Sister Sleeping Soul, I can hear is this third or fourth song okay and and hit everybody with especially the yes fans that want something more artsy or proggy and lengthy i would have brought that closer to the front okay um yeah. let's see uh we're almost done with these points so and chime in folks let us know what you think about all, all these topics <laughs> Okay. Um, uh, okay. So th this is the last one we have written on here. So uh, does the album cover suit the content of this album, in your opinion? You know, you know what a huge Roger Dean fan I am. Right. There's something about the leaded glass that just waters it down for me. Okay, but... I don't know why, other than, here's why. I think I figured it out. The okay. leaded glass is from this world. I'm used to Roger Dean doing stuff from some other world. I think that's why it's too, it makes it, it has a pedestrian element to it. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I think for me, like, you know, I, I love this artwork, this cover art. Uh, we, we've talked about it like at length, obviously, but like going through like, okay, so it, it has this medieval feel with the castle and stuff. And I feel that medieval fantasy feel um, a bit on the ice bridge and on um, leave well alone. I like the landscape and all that. I mean, that's classic yeah. Dean. I love that. Yeah. Reminiscent but, of the ladder to some degree. Yeah. But you get all this lyrical content about like the ocean and um on a living island it says stuff about a ship and like I, in my head it's like you know i feel like the cover art from from a page might have suited this um or like if they hadn't if roger dean hadn't painted the heaven and earth cover art maybe that would have been more fitting because of the ice bridge um like I don't dislike this cover art like I love it but it's just you know it's just a weird thing that 
came to mind where I was like, huh, you know, after listening to these songs, I don't know if this cover art fits all of the songs as well as some other Yes album covers have fit their respective albums. Yeah, it's more like a feeling you get from the cover that suits the whole album. For me, it doesn't have to suit any particular songs. To me, it's more of a whole album cover and album music relationship yeah it, it definitely feels like it suits the title at least like the quest like it definitely feels like something that'll come to mind when you think of that word those words i think um yeah so i guess there's that um but yeah the, those are pretty much all the thoughts i had um did, did you have anything else to say before we close out no, I think that this was a very well-rounded review where we touched on a lot of things, the music, the production, the various songs, the order, all kinds of things, um, and even the album cover. So, yeah, I, I am interested in immersing myself in it more and seeing what grows on me more or differently. Sometimes later you have a different favorite song or something. It's, for me, it's just still too early. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll express like updates on like how we're feeling on some of the yeah. stuff. And I mean, especially when the Blu-ray art book finally comes in the mail, like I'm definitely gonna talk about that and what I think of like the packaging and stuff. So cool. Yeah, looking forward to that. And folks, let us know if you get that what your thoughts are. Let us know more on this as you listen to it for the first time or the tenth time. And you can also send comments questions and suggestions to yes shift podcast at gmail.com and you can uh, listen to us at the channels distributed by anchor.fm slash yes shift and the visual versions come out on our facebook page which is facebook.com slash yes shift yeah and yeah, I think we've done it. We've shifted through all these different aspects of the album and yeah, people can let us know what their take is. Um, and yeah, it's it's just so great to finally have new Yes music. It's yeah. so great. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Folks, thanks for following what we do. If you made it to the end here, let us know. And thank you so much for following what we do, really. Yeah.